This is the Simply Love Jesus podcast, where we explore life and faith through the lens of one question, which is what does it mean to simply love Jesus? My name is Caleb Davis, and I am here with Mr. Griffin and Mr. Jacob, like usual. Hello, sirs. Hello. What's up? So we are here at another week. Mr. Micah has decided to be a good and responsible college student and not join us. And so because of that, I will shun him. But I am. <laughs> I, uh, we're, having a, we're having a good week and we're here at another episode. And so if you guys have been tuning in and you've enjoyed the podcast, then we're just we're so grateful that you have enjoyed what we've talked about. And we would just ask that if you follow us on iTunes and that's how you tune in like through the the podcast app then you would really be blessing our souls to the depths of our very fiber and being by giving us a review and letting us know what you think and and sharing this podcast with a friend or if you tune in via anywhere else such as Amazon Echo that would be a you know or Spotify or Google or also just announcing today, Pandora is also a place where we are streaming as well now. So, wow. yeah. So, if you're listening on any other streaming device other than Apple, uh, the podcast app, then just do us a huge favor. Follow us on our social media through Instagram at SLJ Ministries. Or, and actually, not or, do both. Share this episode with one friend. And then bring them into the fold of eternal tranquility that is the community that we've built here. I don't. I'm trying to like really, <laughs> so, really over spiritualize this thing. Uh, so we've we've been uh, exploring different topics about life or faith, and it's all we're trying to filter it all through one question, which is what does it mean to simply love Jesus? And so one episode we talked about joy. How can you have joy even if your joy has been stolen away? Another episode we talked about dating. Whoop, whoop. Do you ever go back and listen to that? Do you like do you like to listen to yourself? I <laughs> I have not gone back and listened to it yet. I me neither. It just feels weird listening to a conversation you're You got to get comfortable with yeah. your own voice. So you got to learn how to go back yeah, and I go back and listen to it so I can listen to how many times I say um so I can think about that next time. So Ooh. I go back and count the ums and listen to just any other Dude, like simple like flow I, mistakes. I did realize and this is probably going to annoy anybody that listens to this. I go like this. Yeah, you do. So much. <laughs> I got yep. so mad at myself. You do this all the time, every time. It... So, <laughs> it's... <laughs> Sorry, <guys. laughs> it's okay. For the past five million episodes, it's always every five seconds has been me going. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's allergy season. I don't know what it is, but it's just been happening like crazy. And I've tried to edit it out as much as I could, but oh well. And so, we talked about the dangers of pornography. And why you shouldn't watch pornography, and also, yeah, why you just shouldn't. And that was the last episode. So this episode, we're gonna talk about friendships and friends. Na 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 terrible thing yeah there it, there it is yeah so no <laughs> anyways um so we're gonna talk about friendships and how you can have healthy friendships and all the things that are friend-like qualities and a friend that you would desire 
in a person. So we'll see you guys in a second. And yeah. <laughs> So we are back, and if you have never heard of a wonderful gift to our souls that is Chill Hop Music, they're the ones who provide all of the songs that we use in our podcast. And so this, uh, all the songs we're using in this episode is by an uh, artist named Hans, or at least that's the main, the main uh, person who's organizing the album. But the album is called Leaving for Good, and so we'll put the link to the album uh, that will link it to Spotify. But we'll put that in our in our show notes so you can go and you yourself can enjoy the music that has brought joy to my soul and the soul of our podcast. You know, it's good. We brought some questions together to discuss friendships and to discuss how you can view friendships through the lens of Simply Love Jesus and really just get that get that ball rolling. So if you yourself have questions, you should, you know comment on our social media page and you can follow us at slj ministries man did you see that beautiful transition right there boom bibs <laughs> plug gosh i'm so good all right so um, <laughs> buy a t-shirt uh, yeah that's bio speaking of buy a hoodie you can go on our website simplylovejesus.com buy yourself a hoodie and spoke ministry around the world Woo! all right so um anyways someone asked me a question before i get off way off track <laughs> jacob you or me griffin you you got it. All you right. got it. Hmm, I'm trying to see which one I should do first. You that one. All right. Here's Whatever a, here's a little here's a little icebreaker question. How many friends do you think you should have? Um, Open ended, no wrong answer. As many as you can. All of the world should be your friend. Okay, Jacob. What do you think? Um, I think there's kind of different levels of friendship. Uh, probably a few close friends and. Kind of like Caleb was saying, like, be friendly to everyone you see. It's kind of, I think, what he's getting at. And, uh, you know, if you can get to know lots of people and share the love of Jesus Christ with them, then great. Yeah. Here, here's yeah. another one. How many people do you think you, you should have as, like, your closest friends? I think it kind of depends. I think it depends. I mean, as many as you can. Like, as many as you can. Now, how many do I have? I could probably count them on my hand. Yeah. Uh, but... How many should I have? I mean, as many as I possibly can. If I can grow that level of friendship to that to as many people as I can, then yeah, I should absolutely have as many as I can. But it's all about whether you can grow to that level of friendship with that many people. Yeah, here, here's one that we could probably talk a little bit more about. What do you think is worse, having uh, friends that are a bad influence on you or having no friends at all? I would say no friends at all. Why so? Well, I just think relationships are impossible. Like it's relate, it's impossible to not have relationships. Yeah, I th- I think it's it's impossible to not have relationships. So if if you have no friends at all, I think there's a chance you can still be focusing on influencing someone else. Like that naturally should happen if you have a relationship with Jesus. If you're honestly seeking Jesus, he should drive you for the need to be with people. So you should naturally be looking for people to encourage and to uplift. And because of that, you should be drawn to a community of believers. And so because of that, you should, if you are loving Jesus, 
And especially if you're simply loving Jesus, you should naturally be drawing yourself to an authentic community of friends and drawing yourself to like-minded believers, not people who are going to influence you badly, but people who are going to influence you towards Christ. Yeah. <clears throat> Jacob, what do you think? Do you think it's worse to have uh, bad friends or no friends at all? Um, no, I kind of I kind of lean on the fence because if you have uh, bad friends, they're always uh, like telling you to do the wrong thing or like leading you in the wrong way, then that's obviously not good for you. And you know, temptation is obviously there. But if you can be friends with them in a way that you won't be tempted in those specific ways, say your friends are like a bunch of partiers and say, they're like, hey, let's go party. And you're like, you're like, no, nah, I'm good. And they eventually stop inviting you to those things. Then that's okay. Griffin, what do you think? I think uh, if you are strong enough to like withstand against the temptations that they would like give you i think it would be much worse to have no friends at all because i i don't remember what passage this comes from but when jesus says um the healthy don't need a doctor but the sick need a doctor you know and that's, how uh, matthew uh yeah I was, I was thinking matthew that's matthew's house that's matthew uh on yeah it's better to have an influence on other people than to not be able to have an influence well the problem is if you're outnumbered you're always going to end up being influenced if you're outnumbered, it's Matthew, hang on, Matthew 9. So as a as a person, you're if you're outnumbered, you're going to be influenced. If if it's you and all of your friend group are bad influences, you're going to get turned into them. You you are becoming whoever you choose to follow. I okay, part of me agrees with that and part of me just is off track with that because I do believe that you are the sum of your the people around you, the sum of your friends. But I kind of disagree because in my school and in my environment, I'm constantly surrounded by people who are just wanting to uh, feel all these worldly pleasures, and I'm just not like that. And even though I'm majorly outnumbered, that I don't give in to that temptation. Well, the difference is those people aren't your... The, you may be surrounded by people who aren't good influences, like at school, but those people are not your primary influences. Those are not the people who are pri- you're choosing. Those people are not your primary influencers. Like those people do not have a primary influence over your life because you're consciously allowing other people to have a more, a stronger influence over your life. Like your life group leader, your mentors, your parents, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. And they're not your only friends, you know? Yeah. And just to add on to that, uh, in Proverbs thirteen twenty, it says, "He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fool suffers harm." Yeah, it talks. Proverbs talks a lot about friendship and stuff. Like Proverbs seventeen twenty one, as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another, and blind can't lead the blind. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what does a God-honoring friendship look like? A lot of things that we don't see today. <laughs> I think of an example is kind of the commands that Jesus gives us. Like, 
Jesus commands us to love one another. Like, you know, John 13, he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And you think of, okay, well, what is it when someone has, when someone becomes a Christian, they believe in God, they have the Holy Spirit in their life, right? Yep. The Holy Spirit becomes one with them. And then... By how do you know now how do you know someone truly has the Holy Spirit? The fruit of their works. Okay, and what are those fruits? Like are you talking about like the the fruits of the spirit, like love, joy, peace, self control? Yeah, yeah. Why do they call them the fruits of the spirit? Because if you have the spirit it's going to produce fruit. So what are the fruits of the spirit? Oh gosh, Jacob, you went to a Christian school. Love, probably... Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. Yeah. What am I saying? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Yeah. Um, and so, and there's so much more. There, that's just a small list of them, but there are many things that the spirit produces. So I look at what does a God-honoring friendship look like? It looks like the way you should treat every person. And that's produced by the spirit of God. That's produced by the Holy Spirit. So it, it looks like a friendship where you are treating each other with gentleness and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. You are self-controlled. You're not allowing yourself to get easily angered. You are sacrificing yourself for that person. You're investing in them. You are doing exactly what you should do with every person, which is why I said every person should be your friend. That You should strive to make every person your closest friend because ultimately the way you grow in a friendship is that you love God. That's how you're going to grow in a healthy friendship is loving God. And then his love for you overflows out of you when you start to love him. And then his love is produced by the spirit. And then that overflows in the friends. And that looks like this. It looks like a fruit of spirit. It's just all, it's a big domino effect at that point. Yeah. So do you think that there should be a difference between how you treat your closest friends and how you treat some random stranger that you just met? Well, yeah, because you're not in the same level of investment. You How so? Because like you haven't spent, if you're treating everyone with the same, under the same fruits. Well, you're treating everyone with the same fruits, but I think the, I would treat everyone the same. I may not trust everyone the same. So, for example, yeah. I could, I could talk to my best friend Aaron about my deepest struggles and my dark secrets and the thoughts that if a church, if a, if someone, a regular churchgoer at Westwind to hear what I said and they go oh my goodness how could you think such things you are a shepherd of the lord like I don't know what they would say <laughs> it's just very overdramatized but my best friend Aaron could hear those things what I say and receive them and walk through them because we have that level of friendship where we can be transparent with one another and say our very unchristian thoughts to one another so because of that, like I wouldn't do that with the stranger though, because I'm not at that level of friendship. Because we had there, it requires time, and requires investment with one another and growing of trust. Now I should trust them to an extent, because you should always love, always trusts. So at some level, you should trust them. You shouldn't distrust everyone. At some level, you should. It is biblical. It is right. It is of God to trust everyone at some level. But you should go in with the expectation that everyone will fail. Everyone will fail you at some point. Everyone is going to sin. Everyone is going to fall short of the glory of God. 
no one is an exception of that except for God himself because he himself had no sin nature. And yeah. Um, so it's not that you would treat yeah. a stranger differently than a friend. It's just that your transparency would be different. Yes. So this is kind of a two-part question. Um, when should a friend rebuke another? And what does a biblical loving rebuke look like? Mm. Jacob, you go. <laughs> um, Tag your it. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that, let's see, how would you define rebuke? Like, I always hear that, but never really have the definition. Uh, biblical discipline, like friendly discipline, maybe? Gotcha. How would you, what, what would you say, Caleb? I, whenever I think of examples, I think of experiences. So for y'all's experience. Okay. So do you guys remember when we were doing the few round two here at West Wind? Mm. Yes. Yeah. I know what you're about to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, you tell me what I'm going to say. You, you, you fill in the blank. <laughs> uh, and we were, given a little bit of authority like hey quiz the quiz the uh disciples on their memory verses and we went a little too hard and uh kind of offended some people mhm and so what happened then like what happened so explain like explain like different like what the experience is what happened next and stuff uh we had a student get really hurt by that and the they didn't want to we we just made an environment where that they didn't want to be in and they left the few mhm so now do you remember when that was when you guys got rebuked like when that exact moment when it happened oh yeah mm-hmm. and i i got to give that? you props man that that was like i've never been rebuked like that before but that was the that, in my mind that was like the a textbook rebuke like i didn't yeah, feel so so when was that when did that happen like the day uh, after, yeah, it was like the up. day after. So you're like, uh, we need to meet tonight, and it was like urgent. And then, uh, yeah, we we're like, is it? You didn't delay at all. Positive <laughs> or negative? And you're like, definitely negative. And we scheduled it, and well, I couldn't actually meet with the group. I had to go before, and then we met, and then. Uh, you came down and you're like, like, why do you think we're meeting? Uh, and then we just talked about it and he told us what we did wrong and how we shouldn't have, we should be more aware and just uh, practice watching more. <laughs> and yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta give it to you though. Like saying that it sounds like you were just like called us up and you just like started yelling at us or something, but it was really like, you gave us the truth covered in forgiveness and love. Mm. Yeah. I I work in a daycare and we are always taught if we're disciplining a kid, we should, or like we're talking to a parent or something, we should always uh, say something positive and then the negative and then the positive again. So just kind of sandwich the truth in the middle. And I think that's exactly what you did. Mm. You know, you, you didn't, come out right away and you were like what the heck are you doing mm-hmm. but you kind of let you you, you kind of it was like the uh it was like the 
the build up to it, you know? <laughs> like yeah. like the the setting development and why this is important and why you have us here. And then you gave us it and then you gave a you, you didn't just leave it at that. It's like you're forgiven of this, but how can we move forward from this and and be better from it? And I appreciate y'all's kind words. Oh my god, so <laughs> uh, so uh no, so what so what I did and this is something to always keep in the back of your mind. How you approach someone with rebuke depends on your level of influence over their life. So your level of influence changes your level, your approach. It, shall, it always should. You know, I always say don't cast your opinion farther than your sphere of influence or your circle of influence. I don't remember how I word it. But or your I don't there's a different couple of different ways I, I teach it and I talk about it. But basically your level of influence over someone's life should change your approach and change what you do. So you guys were are my disciples. And so because of that, I have a more relational authority over your life. And so when that moment came about, uh, I the first thing I did, and all of it was very intentional, but the first thing I did is I sent all of you a text message, very straightforward, very to the point. It was oh it was very intentional to make you go, oh crap, what in the world is going on? It had so because it had to start setting the scene to make you start thinking back about what in the world just happened, what's going on before you even get to the conversation. It's already creating the space where you're having to start thinking through what in the world did I do? Um, so then when we got to this scenario, then I asked you, hey, so why are we here? And then some of you tried filling in the blank, and so I was I was pretty stern, Scary. pretty straightforward. It's not a it's not a personality and not a face very many people experience. So. It's not a side of me many people get to see because it takes a certain level of influence for me to show that sternness and that side of me. So if you're at that level of influence, that means you're at that level of relationship that I feel confident enough that I can show that side of me and not, you know, destroy our relationship. <laughs> now, that being said, then you, as you said, you sent you, you followed up with grace and forgiveness and encouragement. But, you know, different levels of rebuke depends on your level of influence over that person's life, which is why when people usually when things go shy, like look at social media, for example, things go very shy when you start having these big arguments on Facebook or Instagram or social media or whatever. And you have these people who make these big blanket statements and it gets a lot of negative reaction and stuff. Why is that the case? Because they chose an approach that was higher than the level of influence than the people who are reading it or receiving it. So everything you do has to has to measure and change the context of the people that you're with. So let's say you have a friend, they're a good friend of yours, but they're not like you don't have like a mentor relationship over them. You're a peer. It's a you were on the same level kind of relationship. And let's say they royally screw up. So a proper way to rebuke that person is to do it in a way where you are treating them like a peer. You're not treating them as a, you know, I am your superior, so to speak, and you have to listen to me. Yeah. You know, don't take that as like as shallow as it sounds, but it's the idea of um, if you're a peer, it's, hey, let's get com- some coffee. And then you sit down with them and say, dude, there's just like, there's some things I've noticed and I'm just concerned for you as a friend. So you change your tone and your and your your pace with the level of relationship that you have with that person. If they're a peer, you treat them as a peer and it's not we're in the same boat at that point and we're sharing the same boat. And so 
through that, you have to exercise a lot more gentleness and understanding, a lot more compassion, a lot less to the like, get your act together. Kind of, you know, it's it's a lot less of that and a lot more. I'm here. I'm expressing my concern, whatever. If it continues to go on, you know, you bring someone else. You also bring someone else into the fold have a quote-unquote intervention you know it's like hey we're concerned for you and now if you do have that level where you are a you are someone's mentor you are they are under your wing and you are and you are shepherding that person and you they are under your authority so to speak then you do if you have that level if you've established that expectation that level of authority over their life then the then you being a lot more you know, get your act together, they should already expect you to treat you, treat them that way to help correct them and to help put them in the right path and to help them know when they need to be course corrected. So it's, it depends on your, like I said, so it depends on your level of influence over someone's life. And that should change your approach. It should change your, your, your tone and you know, all. Yeah. That. I think one so. thing that was clear about what you just said is it rebuking somebody else is never about coming at them and exposing somebody to hurt them and like cause a wound in them. Yeah. It's always to, yeah. like you said in your, your message a couple of weeks ago to, to expose the wound and clean it so that you both can be better from it, you know? Yeah. So let's go back to the first part of the question, which is wh- when do you think you should like step in and rebuke somebody? Uh, I would say right away. Like it's as soon as you can, you know, don't, don't brush things under the rug. It's approach it as soon as you can. All right, all right. Now here, here, I'm changing that. When the right time to rebuke someone is when you are a hundred percent sure you are about to handle that with nothing less than the love and the grace of Jesus Himself. So if you think you're about to, if you think if someone royally screws up and right then and there you think you're about to just snap at that person and say and tear them down then you shouldn't do anything. But if you are 100% positive, I'm at a space in my heart right now that when I talk to them, they will walk away feeling Mm. at some level uh, built up. Even if it doesn't feel great, they will know for a fact that I'm only saying this to lift them up, not tear them down. Yeah, I can definitely remember a time where I royally screwed up and then I... I called I called you Caleb actually and I was like hey let's get lunch and you came over me with like just love and mm-hmm. like you're wrong and telling yeah. me like you suck <laughs> yeah you were definitely screwed up here definitely not you suck though but like <laughs> but you came over me with love and forgiveness and showing me that like we all mess up we all yeah do this uh, it'll just build your testimony almost is kind of Go on to your story. What do you think you should rebuke your friends about? Like, what do, what does your friend have to do that you think you should step in and rebuke them for? Anytime they're not reflecting Jesus. Anytime, like, they're not if they've if they're if they're stepping into sin, if they are if they're li- if they are changing their lifestyle and starting to reflect sin, if they are treating someone in a way that does not reflect how Jesus commands us. Any time that someone is not loving God with all of their heart at some level needs to be rebuked. Jacob, you got anything to add to that? 
Uh, I 100% agree. If you see that someone's uh, not uh, acting to God's standards and they don't even like realize it themselves, then it's good to have a chat with them and talk it over. Yeah. And typically when people think of rebuke, they think of like something sharp and very to the point. I don't necessarily think that's, I don't necessarily think that has to be, I think rebuke can be done in a very gentle way. Uh, I think there's a multiple different layers of ways that rebuking happens. But yeah, I think at, at any point that someone is not loving Jesus and, and striving to reflect who he is and his nature and his grace and, and living in a way that reflects the kingdom of God, at some level that person always has to be rebuked because we're here to, to sharpen each other. We're here to correct each other and to help bring each other. And because it takes a, it takes a community. We can't do this alone. So now, like I said, the level in which the context changes your approach, your, the context of the situation and the context of your level with your friendship with that person changes your, your approach. It changes your tone. It changes what you say and how you say it. So Jacob, what you got for us? Uh, last or my, my last question here is: uh, Should you ever, quote unquote, like dump a friend? Like, should you ever like kind of just like you're too much of a terrible influence? Uh, talk to me if you ever need anything. But like, I don't really want to hang out with you if you're gonna be doing all this stuff. Is that? Dang it! I just did it again. I just went. <laughs> I think hmm, if it's going to, if being in that friendship is going to lead to your detriment, then I think you need to pump the brakes on it in some way. I think that can take many ways. I don't think it just has to be like abandoning the relationship altogether, but I, I definitely do think that if somebody's having that bad of an influence on you, something needs to be done. Yeah, I think, I think yes, but whenever I think of the idea of dumping a friend, I think of my mind usually goes to the intentions of like ending it on bad terms. Like, I don't need you in my life. Boom, you're dumped. And I don't condone that. I would say even if you were to end a friendship, you have to leave it. Uh, you have to, you have to finish strong. You have to leave it on memorable terms. You have to leave it on the terms that that person will always remember you for the example that you laid before them so that you should never, in my opinion, you should never close off a person completely from your life within context. Like if someone's abusive, yeah, you shouldn't have that person in your life. But, you know, at some like I think of a friend who if that person has just been nothing but toxic. And so I choose to tell that person that I need to step away. But you do it in a way that's it's only going to leave them with an example to know that you're always going to be there for them. But you have to distance yourself. So in the future, if that person comes around and they want to make amends, you're you're going to be ready to receive them and potentially receive them back into your life 
to redo community with them if they're going to start, you know, actually receiving and hearing your words and, and reflecting and start loving Jesus as well. Does that make sense? So how would you do that? How would you cut someone off, you're saying? Yeah. yeah. I would say it would, it's got to be relational. So you got to, it's always got to be starting with you giving. I would say everything that we do has to start with us giving, not expecting to be receiving. It's always expecting to give. So I would ask, like, for example, I would say, hey, can we get coffee? I want to buy you coffee. So you go and sit down with them in coffee and then you just you start laying it out and you just say, you know, I've been praying a lot about this. And but here's how I, you tell them how you're feeling and and what you have to do to guard your own heart. But you also say you 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 tell them what's great about them what makes them good your desire for them to you your desire to see the best in their life your desire to actually be in a good positive relationship with them but then acknowledging that you can't do that with the way that they are right now and so for you to guard your own heart you have to distance yourself but letting them know i will always be here for you but not if you're going to continue to acting the way that you are at this stage of your life sandwich sandwich the bad news and the good news (laughs) yeah 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 that's hard i've never had to actually do that before how can we tie this into simply love jesus what does it mean to simply love jesus in a friendship jacob you got anything man well when you simply love jesus you simply love what he does you see jesus loves people so you should be loving on the people around you. So that would be uh, always thinking of nice things to do for them. Whether it be like, even just like, hey, let's go hang out and let's go get coffee or something like that. Or something, I don't know. Just always being in like that uplifting mood and like kind of being aware of what's going on in their lives and staying in touch with them and uh, seeing how they're doing emotionally, spiritually, and physically. All right, let me read this, and then you tell me and how this transfers to friendships. So I'm going to read what it means to simply love Jesus. So if you go to our website, simplylovejesus.com, and you hit the About page, it literally spells this whole thing out for you. So... Simply love Jesus is the idea that everything should start and revolve around loving Jesus. And so this idea starts with a question. What does it mean to simply love Jesus? And we want to encourage Christians to ask this question so they will challenge themselves to love Jesus more because of what he has done to show us that he first loved us by dying for us and rising from the grave so that we can have an abundant and eternal life. And that comes from Romans 323, 6.23, 5.8, 10.9-10, 8.39, 1.4.10, 1.10.10. Ultimately, what it boils down to is saying that the first step to simply loving Jesus is understanding that Jesus simply loves you. But the more that we ask this question, the more we desire to know who he is. Just as a relationship with another person requires us to intimately know that person, a true reflection of God's love for us should naturally lead us to want to know who God is, not just as a sovereign king and creator who is Lord over everything, but as a person who unconditionally loves us. 
we believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, there are many ways we can learn who God is as a person. Three of them are prayer, reading the Bible, and serving others. But the closer we are to him, the closer he is to us. And the more we learn about who he is, who he is the more we understand how to authentically love him. And one of the greatest ways we can show God that we authentically love him is by loving people. We believe that the Bible is abundantly clear that God loves all people. It's Titus 2.11, John 3.16, 1 John 2.2, 2, Psalm 86.5. And according to Jesus, Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18 form one singular and greatest commandment, which is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The more we authentically love God, the more we will sincerely love other people, not just the people who believe in Jesus, but also the people who don't. The closer I am to God, the greater my love for people will be. This pursuit of loving others just as uh, God loves us helps remind us of our purpose as a Christian, which is to love God with everything we have so that we can love others and prepare the world for his soon return. The reminder of our purpose as a Christian should excite us about not only what God wants for us, but what he wants to do through us and how he has a desire to use anyone who believes in him to make his plan for the world become a reality. Recognizing this purpose helps us see how small we are in comparison to his holiness, but equally joyful that he wants to include us in his plans. Knowing that we do not have what it takes to fulfill our purpose as a Christian using our own power, we surrender to the reality that the only way we can do this is when we are being used through God's power. Or in other words, the more I seek Jesus, the more I need Jesus. To be empowered by God requires us to know him. To know him requires us to desire him. For us to desire him, we have to ask one question, which is what this cycle, this lifestyle revolves around, which is what does it mean to simply love Jesus? So hearing that, how does that whole everything I just said, how does that filter where at what point in that filters in to friendships and filter into understanding how we treat friendships? Simply loving Jesus means to simply love who he loves, what he loves, and hate what he hates. And Yeah. Simply loving Jesus would mean simply loving those who he loves, and he loves your friend, so love your friend. <laughs> I mean, it goes hand in hand with the uh, the greatest commandments, and so it's kind of just like you're loving God just by loving mm-hmm. your friend, you know? So think of the cycle here. Think of the process. It starts with the question, and that question leads me to a place where I want to know who God is. So then I start seeking and knowing and loving God and, and focusing on him and desiring him and, and running after him. But what happens in the midst of that as you start doing that? What changes? As you're doing that, what should also be ha- what is also happening in your heart? Because the closer you are to him, the closer he is to you, your heart and his heart become closer and closer, which means what happens? Your interests become the same. Your interests become the same. And if your interests become the same, you start loving what God loves and loving who God loves. And who does God love? Everybody. Everyone. So including your friends. So because of that, now the closer you are to him, what starts changing about you? If if your heart is becoming closer to him, what starts changing about your personality? Uh, You're more loving towards others. (laughs) Yeah, but... More specifically, if I'm becoming closer to God and my heart is becoming closer to his heart, 
that starts changing my personality because who do I start becoming more like? You, yeah, you start to take on the traits of Jesus. You become Jesus. You become, and not in the least heretical way possible, but you become Jesus. <laughs> you are supposed to reflect and just become one heart and not that somehow you are God, but the idea is that you are to be like Jesus so much so that you are Jesus. And so when you are reflecting that, when you start treating other people and naturally you're gravitating toward people because God loves people. So you're gravitating towards them. The overflow of your heart is the fruits of the spirit. So the overflow of your heart is the fruits of the spirit. So naturally when I start gravitating towards people, how am I going to start treating? How am I going to naturally treat those people? I'm going to love them, be kind to them, generous and serve them and, and honor them and respect them and, and listen to them and care about them and sacrifice my time for them. I want to. Why? Because that's naturally what it means to minister to people. It's naturally what God does for us. And so I'll naturally, by loving Jesus, start doing that for others. And that includes my friendships and even more so for my friendships. So in other words, you can simply love Jesus by simply loving your friend. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. John 15, 13, greater love has no one like this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. It's reflecting what Jesus did for us. So yeah. Friendships. Friendships. Well, we are so glad that you tuned into this episode today. Thank you so much. And we would just be so honored if you left a review on iTunes or you followed us on social media at SLJ Ministries or you shared this episode with one person. Just one. Just one person. Share it with one person. And you say, hey, I want you to listen to this. I listen to this and I share it with you because it's for you. So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, If you follow us on social media, you can message us and let us know how we can pray for you. We, We would love to do that on your behalf. And so thank you for all that you've done and all that you will do. And grace be with you. Peace be upon you. And may you continue to walk in love. Peace out, Brace. You are dismissed.